This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The iPhone XR is here at T-Mobile, and there's a whole lot to love, like those perfect portrait mode selfies you're going to share. Nice. And how emojis now turn every FaceTime with the kids into fun time. <laughs> In fact, the only thing you'll love more than your iPhone XR is getting it included in the price when you get an unlimited plan. That's right. Get both unlimited and iPhone XR included for just 40 bucks a month. Sure, you can get unlimited somewhere else. But for the same price at T-Mobile, you get unlimited and iPhone XR. Join today and get iPhone XR included with your unlimited plan for just 40 bucks a line for four new lines. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE or visit a store today. $30 for essentials plus $10 for iPhone XR with auto pay and qualifying trade-ins via 36 bill credits. Customers may notice lower speeds and further reduction if using more than 50 gigs per month. Video at 480p for well-qualified buyers plus taxes and fees. Contact us before canceling or remaining balances due. Qualifying service and finance agreements required. Zero down plus $20.84 per month for 36 months. Full price $749.99, 0% APR. Uh-huh. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Hardwood Knox podcast. It is Dan Favalli and Andy Bailey coming at you this time. We do have some breaking news in the Hardwood Knox world. Adam Frommel, who is a piece of crap, has parted ways (laughs) with Hardwood Knox. We wish him nothing but the worst, and he better not show his face around here anymore. But in all seriousness... He is devoting more of his time to a website that he is trying to get up and running. We will have him back as a guest, and you got to keep the two best podcasters of Hardwood Knox anyway. <laughs> Basically, what I'm trying to say is you're welcome. Andy, how are you doing in this new era of era of Hardwood Knox? I'm glad. The iPhone XR is here at T-Mobile, and there's a whole lot to love, like those perfect portrait mode selfies you're going to share. Nice. And how emojis now turn every FaceTime with the kids into fun time. In fact, the only thing you'll love more than your iPhone XR is getting it included in the price when you get an unlimited plan. That's right. Get both unlimited and iPhone XR included for just 40 bucks a month. Sure, you can get unlimited somewhere else. But for the same price at T-Mobile, you get unlimited and iPhone XR. Join today and get iPhone XR included with your unlimited plan for just 40 bucks a line for four new lines. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE or visit a store today. $30 for essentials plus $10 for iPhone XR with auto pay and qualifying trade-ins via 36 bill credits. Customers may notice lower speeds and further reduction if using more than 50 gigs per month. Video at 480p for well-qualified buyers plus taxes and fees. Contact us before canceling or remaining balances due. Qualifying service and finance agreements required. Zero down plus $20.84 per month for 36 months. Full price $749.99, 0% APR. It's an error and not an error, first of all. Um... Onward and upward, I say. I, I'm feeling excited. I think we're just going to take the ball and, and really run with it. Right. If I can use a much overused cliche. Right. And loosely translated, we're just saying that Adam was holding us back. 
<laughs> is all I'm getting at. This will be his Basically. test. This is the test to see if he's still listening. He's not going to listen to this. I was just going to say that. He's not going to hear any of this intro, so we can say whatever we want at this point. <laughs> Speaking of losses, with March and the end of February came a bunch of injuries. And yes, I would like a medal for that transition. Yeah, that was solid. Um, Joel Embiid is done for the season. The Sixers announced Ben Simmons wouldn't be playing, but I think we all probably could have guessed that. Kyle Lowry had a wrist injury. Kevin Durant, hyperextended knee. That's going to keep him out for four weeks. The Bucks already had lost Jabari Parker for the season, and then I didn't even know this. You told me before we started that um, Michael Beasley has an injury of his own. So there is just all kinds of injuries and losses. The Cavaliers don't have Kevin Love or J.R. Smith back yet. Um, the implications on, on the playoff front, when you look at can the Spurs catch the Warriors in the standings, can Boston catch Cleveland in the standings because all of a sudden the Celtics are healthy, the Jazz are healthy. We, we've got a lot to get to. Um, I'm going to ask you, where do, where do you want to start? Uh, let's start with Durant and the Warriors because, I, I mean, I think you named off a ton of injuries, and I feel like this has been as much of a late season injury avalanche as I can remember. Um, do you and also, even with, do you also feel like we say that every year? I, I feel as if every season I'm like, man, I don't remember there being this many injuries well, this late in the season. I I do like I remember myself being surprised by the number of injuries like from season to season. I don't I don't remember specifically having them all at the end, right? Kind of like they are this year, but maybe if it, you've if you have that recollection. It has been the last Maybe 10 that days, was the case, but... which is definitely like, seems like an unprecedented onslaught. Yeah, it's injuries. just pouring on all at once. But like I said, like even with, even with all the injuries across the landscape of the, the NBA, um, the biggest one, at least for the immediate future, has to be Durant, I would think. Um, Do you think it's not? Maybe in terms of impact, because we're, and we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna get into this because Durant's an MVP player who plays beside three other All-NBA talents, who in the long run probably won't miss many beats without him. The, the Chicago Bulls game. I was Bulls thinking game. about this, though. Yeah, the Bulls game looked terrible. Right. But if you look at the Warriors offseason, um, I know this isn't exactly what happened, but you can say essentially they traded Bogut and Barnes for Durant, who that, that's two starters, um, two key pieces of a championship team. Two important pieces, I think, chemistry-wise. Um, so now you don't have any of those three guys, and they've never had to—they—they've never really had to play um, with all three of them gone. Like initially, you lose Barnes and Bogue. It's not that big a deal because you got Durant to sort of fill in for him. This is the first time that it's just um, Curry, Clay, and Draymond, which that—that that was their three best players um, for the two seasons prior to this one but like you said san antonio might be close enough to make this like maybe a little bit interesting right the the only thing i will say though is the warriors got off to the best start in nba history without barnes last year it's almost like yeah he was out for a little bit i forgot about that they're kind of used to playing without the durant or they should be the durant barnes you remove one of them, it's like, okay, this is what it was yeah. last year. Bogut is arguably the bigger loss defensively, but Zaza's not, and David West, they, they kind of make up that gap. But back to your point, Durant 
they'll feel his impact on the defensive end. And we already saw that against the Bulls, kind of, because Durant has been phenomenal on the less glamorous side this year. And, and yeah. that's where they'll really feel his absence. What I will say is this for people who are looking at the Wizards game, for people who are looking at the Bulls game as sort of signs that the Warriors might experience a dip, Stephen Curry will not continue to shoot one of 16 on wide open threes like he has over the past three games. It's just not going to happen. And I don't know if the Spurs will catch them, but but it's interesting because do you think Durant's injury might compel Kerr to throw out some random rest days, especially since they clinched a playoff berth and he hasn't really been resting guys all season? They're not necessarily chasing anything at this point aside from the number one seed. The Spurs are looming. They're, they're two games back in the loss column, and, and you absolutely have to consider them, even if Kevin Durant was healthy. But I thought the Warriors were going to get to 69, 70 wins a few days ago when Durant was healthy. I still think they're going to get to around 69, 70 wins. In the grand scheme, maybe this cost them a game like the Bulls. That was their one game that maybe it cost them. Yeah, if that's all it costs them, no big big deal obviously but the the way they've played like especially that bulls game last night I, maybe it's not rational but there's just a little bit of me um that is worried one thing i thought of when you were talking um it's kind of funny neither one of these teams is really going to be racing for number 1 right like if kerr sort of takes his foot off the gas a little bit um san antonio has obviously never cared about the one seed Right. So maybe maybe they both just kind of ghost and Golden State stays number one anyway, even if they get to like mid-60s instead of high-60s, like you said. Do you think home court advantage might be more important to the Warriors now, though, after what happened in the finals? They lost even though they had home court advantage, but you look at what happens if Steph goes cold or is hurt in the playoffs. You look at what could happen if KD isn't playing because something goes wrong or maybe he's not necessarily right. Does this motivate them more to get that, or is it still a situation where it doesn't even matter at this point? Maybe in part because, hey, they were the best team in NBA history last year. They had home court advantage and a three to one lead, and they still lost. Yeah, I think they could see it either way. If it was me, I'd I'd probably be pretty concerned about home court advantage. Um, I think that's something that even with all the advances in basketball and stats and everything, there still seems to be a slight edge when you play at home. Um, the other thing is the Spurs have a higher winning percentage on the road right now than they do at home. They've played a lot more games oh, on the I road. I have no idea. But they're 26-7 and seven on the road compared to 20-6 and six at home. I, I, I don't I, – does home, that's where you're like, oh, does home court advantage even matter then? Just looking at it that way. But the Spurs are a different beast altogether. But I did find that interesting. Yeah, that, I had no idea. I – so after this whole conversation, maybe I'm now just thinking like both teams are just going to coast and it won't really matter. <laughs> Who are the, the Spurs are the better team at coasting then too, right? Because both of these teams, if you look oh, at on off, yeah, there's no player. You play without any player. They also have a positive net rating, but it just seems like the Spurs are the only team in the league who could bench all their starters or four of their starters and they're still going to be favored in certain games. Yeah, like they are well rehearsed at this. <laughs> this is something Popovich has been doing for years now, and I think it's, um, I think it's really paid off because when you get in that Spurs system, 
and you're there for like two or three years, you just become like a cog in the machine. And whoever's out there <laughs> knows exactly what to do, uh, knows exactly their role, and they just execute perfectly. Like I, I do think San Antonio is definitely built for that kind of a close. Um, so yeah, that's going to be really interesting to see. I, I, if I had, had to pick, I'd, I'd probably say Golden State, even though it's you said it's down to two in the last column. Yep. Because I, I just think that even if they do falter a little bit with Durant, I think San Antonio will, will probably just coast too, so they'll be okay. But I think an, another like sort of overarching thing with the Durant injury is they didn't seem to have much of a chemistry issue when he joined the team at the start of the season. Um, and this is like completely unquantifiable, but <laughs> it just felt like there was a different sort of feel with this team. Like there wasn't the same magic that the 73 win team had. And I just, the whole season I was thinking, well, maybe they'll really start to click around playoff time. And maybe they were starting to get to that point. And then he goes down and it's just another month where they kind of have to like readjust and then they'll readjust again when Durant comes back. And I, I, I wonder if that will have any kind of impact later on. I don't, I, I don't think they'll have a problem in the first round or anything, but. Yeah, they won't have a problem in the first round, that's for sure, just because look at what the eighth seed is going to be if we assume that yeah. the Warriors are going to get number one. The Nuggets so might... That'll be their next readjustment phase as they can kind of work back into it against the Nuggets or the Blazers or whoever. Right. The, the Nuggets might be like... Uh, Adam had brought this up before he abandoned us, um, <laughs> that they might be a tough matchup uh, for the Warriors, but they, they won't have a problem in the first round. What's interesting is this this injury to Durant. Does it for you in any way make the Cavaliers title favorites? You can look at what they did also by picking up Darren Williams, getting Derek Williams, that was a good flyer, Andrew Bogut. Kyle Korver has literally been shooting a bazillion percent from 3 <laughs> of late it seems. To me it doesn't like if the Warriors go against a full strength Cavaliers team in the finals, I'm still picking the Warriors, which opens me up to criticism considering what happened last year. But I just don't, I don't know that a Warriors team without Durant, if the rest of them are healthy, I don't think the Cavaliers are better than them yet, which kind of speaks to that opinion in itself. I think you can hold it, even if it's wrong to other people without it being ridiculous. And that kind of speaks to how big the gap is between the Warriors and everybody else in the league. So you think even with Durant out, the Cavaliers aren't like if they played tonight, you don't think the Cavaliers are quite as good yet? No, right now the Cavaliers don't have Kevin Love or J.R. Smith, which matters. Yeah, but you well, give okay. them, if you but give, I mean, if they played tonight and Durant was out and the whole Cavs roster was healthy, I would take the Warriors. Huh. Because I think I'm on the point, or I'm like finally on the side where I'd probably say the Cavs in that scenario. The, uh, the thing I, that, I, go go ahead. ahead. No, you can go ahead. Sorry. I was, uh, well, I was just going to say, like, I was, I was pretty sure that the Warriors were going to win the finals last season. There was like a little bit of doubt in me about that. Um, but the way that LeBron. <laughs> Like, that was just such a striking example to me of this guy is the best player in the world and he can beat anybody. Um, 
And I do think that they're better now. I, it might take them a little bit of time to adjust to Darren Williams and Andrew Bogut, but I, I like both of those additions. I, I think Cleveland has gotten better. Um, and as long as LeBron's in the equation, I just can't, it's really hard for me to put anyone over them now after what I saw last year. And even you could say the year before too, because this is something I talked about on Twitter the other day. There's a pretty strong argument to be made that his performance in the 2015 finals was even more impressive to be able to be competitive when, when it was basically just like him and Delhi and Mozgov, like that's insane. Yeah. I mean, to, to me, his performance in 2016 was worlds better if only because he was more efficient on an individual level. And you look at the gap they had to erase the, the other thing to consider though, is if the Cavaliers win in 2015, we don't get 2016 LeBron probably. I, he's not. He would still be motivated by getting more rings. But if they had fallen in a three to one hole and Cleveland's already won a championship, I don't know if you get yeah, that same. Um, from it him. was kind of like the Spurs uh, beating Miami the year after, right? Although the, they're, yeah. they're the Spurs, so if they won in 2013, they probably would have won in 2014. <laughs> there um, was definitely a revenge factor, though. I agree with you there. Right, and the Warriors might have that this year, which is maybe why I'm more inclined to take them. But you hit on. When I was when I tried to interrupt you, you you hit on what I was going to say. LeBron is the variable for me, which is a big ass variable because it's LeBron. But he kicks it into another gear in the playoffs, and it's not even just like offensively; it's his defense is just night and day between the regular season and playoffs. He only yeah. turns it on for certain games or certain quarters or certain stretches during the regular season, and in the playoffs, he's a different animal. You take Durant off the Warriors and they suddenly become much easier to defend just because LeBron is going to play like an all world defender. But I don't know if, if, unless Steph Curry to me is shooting one of 16 on wide open threes in that series, I don't see the Cavs as favorites. It looks like one, it looks like one of those matchups where it would go to six or seven games, but I wouldn't be able to pick the Cavaliers. I wouldn't be able to do it. I guess that makes me a LeBron hater. (laughs) Well, if anybody follows both of us on Twitter, it's pretty obvious um, who in this partnership is that. But, I mean, in this discussion, I mean, Kevin Durant will be back by the time the finals Will he be start. Kevin Durant, yeah. though? And it's such a weird That's... situation because if you're the Warriors, you play the long game because he has a player option, but he's not going anywhere. It is still kind of this weird bizarre thing though because he has that player option i don't think he's going to consider leaving i don't think the warriors will have doubts about resigning him but if he comes back and they don't win because he's not himself that's just like man the next year for the warriors is going to be tough it's my gold shoes are too tight problems but to get kevin durant and lose after having the best record in nba history and losing that would just be like I don't care whether Durant's playing or not, whether he's himself or not. If that happens, I can't even fathom the chaotic takes that we will be yeah. subject to. It would be, yeah, it would be constant. <laughs> who would be, I want to know who the hero would be that would write about Stephen Curry is going to consider leaving the Warriors for the Hornets at that point. Kevin There will be several heroes, probably. <laughs> Stephen Curry. Kevin Durant to Washington will be back. Stephen Curry is mad that Kevin Durant stole his mojo, considering signing <laughs> Max Steele in Charlotte, my column. I don't necessarily think this is what will happen, because 
Um, like we've both already said, I think I, I would lean towards picking the Warriors if that's the rematch again. Um, but how crazy would it be if the 67 and 15 team wins the title, then wins 73 the next year, and then like what if this this um, budding dynasty ends up with just one championship? Duh, I don't. I don't. I couldn't. Again, I couldn't fathom it. And after this season, you have Livingston and Iguodala are free agents. I don't know that the Warriors keep both. They sh- they kind yeah. of because both those if guys have... are on the wrong side of thirty. I don't know what yeah. kind of money they're gonna get in free agency. Livingston is probably a little more valuable than Iguodala on the open market at this point, but but maybe not. Iguodala started playing out of his mind against Chicago for a minute, so. Can do are they going to keep both of them? Will, will there be discounts involved? How long are those contracts for? Because do you want four years of Andre Godala? Do you want four more years of Sean Livingston? That's where it becomes really challenging. It, it's easier to deal with if you win this year or if you know that Kevin Durant's not coming off a semi-serious injury because you have your big four in their prime. That's fine. Here's here's a question about the Warriors offseason. Um do you sacrifice one member of that big four to keep small, lesser role guys like you just named? I'm like, assuming is there, you're going to get at like it, a Clay Thompson scenario. I don't think yeah, you do. So, but I, like I if you lose the finals, is there any chance you entertain Thompson trading him into like the Sixers cap space or something? Well, you're, I don't, if you trade Thompson, you're not going to have caps. You would have to, you need to get like players in that scenario. And I, I don't know who. You know, what, what do you try and trade Clay Thompson for like Damari Carroll and Corey Joseph, which is a terrible trade or so, or something along those lines? Um, do you see if the Celtics would give you like Avery Bradley? I mean, he's up in a contract. Yeah. So it's I wouldn't I wouldn't break up. the. Well, core what would their. Yeah, you would have. I guess with, if you if you did trade him for just cap space, you'd, you'd have to bring Durant and Curry back for like 30 million each. Green is there on like 20, right? Yeah, it's a, it's it's a little bit. So that would that. leave you like twenty five million to play around with for the rest of the team, and that's a that's very small amount of money for like nine guys. <laughs> right, especially in the new climate, and you're looking at they wouldn't actually have cap space because you would have to renounce the rights then to Livingston and Thompson just to enjoy said cap space. Yeah. Um. So trading the core four in my mind isn't an option. I don't see it. I don't see them breaking that up. If they lose, though, it it does just make everything more interesting. It'll but, certainly. I think if they lose, people will wonder for sure whether whether Golden State does or not. Um, I don't know, but I think it will come up. Looking from the out, looking from the inside out, because we're on the outside in. Looking from the inside exactly. out, you're the Warriors. You're not <laughs> breaking up Kevin Durant, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, and Stephen Curry. It's just not happening. But. It makes the NBA more interesting if they lose. I root for chaos. I wouldn't necessarily root for the Warriors not to win, but it does add a layer of intrigue moving in to the next year. And assuming the Cavaliers win another title, that, that, would, be, that would be absurd. And even if they lose, now you're looking at, oh my God, LeBron's getting older. Should the Cavaliers try trading Kevin Love again because the Celtics are getting up there? Yeah. There's going to be – whoever wins, there's going to be, like, massive overreaction Imagine the if the team. Cavaliers get bounced by the Celtics in the conference finals. Now, would, that would be crazy. That would be nuts. That's the chaos I want. Which, to me, seemed, like, ludicrous um, 
up until that that most recent meeting between those two, that was the first time I thought maybe there is a chance. Like, Here, here's my thing, and I don't. I'm not. Gonna I still paint. don't think they would, but it's like now I wonder. I don't. I wouldn't pick them in a series. If Nor LeBron's would I. Healthy. But, and I'm not trying to paint all Cavaliers fans here with a brush. We get that that game was lost with Kevin Love and J.R. Smith on the sidelines, yeah. but. Avery Bradley didn't play well in that game for a good chunk of it. The Celtics are finally healthy. They only lost to the Cavaliers by a combined 12 points in their first two meetings. The Celtics are a threat. They're deep. They're versatile. Their defense is finally coming together, and the Cavaliers have been a borderline poop fest on that end of the floor this year. Yes, we get playoff LeBron, and they'll defend a little better, but what will Kevin Love look like in the playoffs? We, we get that the Cavaliers are deep enough now, too, but... The Celtics could do it. The Celtics are right there. The Raptors, if Kyle Lowry gets right, which that'll be a good segue, they're right there too. Cleveland, if it's LeBron, I'm picking them. And if it's the Raptors, I'm picking them. If it's the Wizards, I'm picking them. If it's the Celtics, I'm yeah. picking them. But I still think that Boston is the team in the East that can push them to a seven-game set and maybe win. Yeah. And it was before— now, having said all that, like, I still— <laughs> If I had to make a prediction, I would still say both Golden State and Cleveland just cruise to the finals, and we have the uh, round three. Who's, but who's more likely to cruise to play the? I, I still think Cleveland is. It's probably right because there's a chance, if not an inevitability, that the Warriors have to go through one of the Spurs or the Rockets. Plus, I don't want if I'm them to have a matchup with. The Clippers or the Jazz, like that's a tough. I'd I'd rather face the, the Clippers. Rocket series is like super intriguing to me because I think there's a huge talent gap, obviously, in favor of Golden State, but it's <laughs> the rate or the the volume at which Houston shoots threes, and it's not like crazy for me to see them getting hot three or four times in a series and hitting like. 23s and even the warriors um who have the firepower to combat that like even they could be caught off guard by that do you know what i want to see or maybe do i want to yeah i want to see it i've decided i want to see it it would be great if the spurs <laughs> got the number one seed because then the warriors would have to let's say possibly go through both the rockets and the spurs because they're all of a sudden the two seed yeah um and that would be interesting to see hey which which works better is it the spurs where they're trying to dictate the pace, control possessions, limit the number of possessions Golden State uses, or is it the Rockets who we're just going to fire a jillion threes and hope that we make more three-pointers than them, and that's going to keep us in the game? If, if the Warriors have to face both of those opponents, or even if it was the Rockets ultimately beat the Warriors, but then the Spurs beat the Rockets, like something like that, that's what, that would be fun to see the Warriors have to play both the Rockets and the Spurs, and then you kind of get a feel, even if they win both series, well, which style is kind of closer to combating the Warriors? Is it let's go Warriors extreme or we go the antithesis of the Warriors with the Spurs? That's what I'm you know what's for. You know what's interesting while you were saying that? Cleveland kind of did like the perfect mix of both of those things last year in the finals. And they're built to do that again, especially with yeah. Bogut and Darren Williams. Well, Control the pace but still shoot a ton of threes and maybe that's maybe that's the blueprint. It's just easier said than done. Moving on, though, um, we've decided that the Warriors are going to get the number one seed still, regardless of the Kevin yeah. Durant injury. You would pick the Cavs in a playoff series with a hobbled or no Durant Warriors. 
Yeah, but if they're like pick, if they're fully healthy, I'd go Warriors. Yeah, I would pick the Warriors no matter what. Do we think? I guess really quick, do we think that's what it's going to be? Warriors, Cavs in the finals still. I don't think yeah. there's a reason to pick. Anything. If I had to make a prediction, I would definitely still go with those two. If I was if I was ballsy, I would totally pick Celtics, Rockets. <laughs> <laughs> and the NBA would mourn, except for. I was <laughs> there's a lot of uh very vocal Boston fans, but that's all I'll say. <laughs> um now what what might rattle some people, or maybe not rattle, but it, but it is a question, the Raptors. Kyle Lowry's out, but are they at are they fully healthy? Are they better than the Celtics? ESPN.com Zach Lowe, who everyone expects his basketball opinion, he said, I believe on multiple podcasts, that the Raptors with their current cast are going to end up being better than the, the Celtics, even if the record doesn't reflect that. Uh, I'm just not there. I, I still have Boston as the foremost threat to Cleveland, particularly with, you know, Kyle Lowry out. We'll assume he'll come back and be fine, but the, the Raptors all of a sudden are looking at probably the four seed in the East. I don't think they'll have enough to get to the three or catch the Celtics when they're missing Lowry for so long. Yeah, I would probably say Boston too. I think they're better coached. Um, I think I think Toronto's second best player, DeMar DeRozan, is a little more flawed than uh, some people realize. Right. I think um, I think you said if Toronto was fully healthy, but Kyle Lowry is going to miss at least the rest of the season, and I believe it's his shooting wrist that's injured. Right. Yeah, I do think they. So said even if he, they want like, even if he is back by the playoffs or shortly before the playoffs, um, a big reason he's been so so good this year is he's shot way better than he has in the past. So I would worry a little bit about his wrist throwing that off. Um, the this has been a, a storyline that's been hammered in recent years, but a lot of what makes DeRozan and Lowry successful and is, is an ability to get to the line, and that's kind of dried up for him in the playoffs. So, I think there are more issues um, around the Raptors than there are around the Celtics. I will say that having Lowry is more important to them defensively at this point than offensively, most likely. I, yeah. I, I agree with your point about DeRozan getting to the line in a playoffs. That's an interesting thing to consider. But the Raptors, they're 3-1 and one without Lowry at the moment since the All-Star break, and the offense has been pretty good on most nights, except with that let, that Wizards game was a, a crap show. Um, I if, if you can get him back, and I don't know how much that risk would impact his defense, but you need him when you're going up against Irving or if you have to go up against Wall and Beal. Oh, for sure, yeah. They're toast if he's, like, if it takes him longer to get but back. It's, than it's interesting like, they might not even get out of the first round if he's not there. Right, and even if he is there, just because you said that about the offense, he's gonna he becomes actually, and I'm contradicting myself now, he becomes exponentially more important to the offensive execution in the playoffs. Not saying he's more important to their offense than their defense. I don't think that would be the case, but he becomes more important to the offense overall when you look at the way playoff games unfold. Yeah. I actually think he's the most important part of the team on both sides of the wall. I, you won't, you won't catch any crap from me for that. I told yeah. you. Cause I, I, I just think he's, his shooting, um, especially this season, he, he is a much more efficient scorer than DeRozan is. Um, I, I know some people still look at just the volume of the points that DeRozan scores, but, 
I really do think that Lowry is is more important than him on both sides. I it, it's a huge loss. He's he is unquestionably their best player in my mind. Has there been a guard who's better in the East than Lowry? If we're we're gonna say Giannis Antetokounmpo was front court, I guess Butler hasn't been playing shooting guard this year. But even if you want to include Butler in the conversation, I would still put Lowry over Butler for this season. Yeah, a lot of people have gone with John Wall as like the second best player in the East this season. I've heard that from a few people. Um, a lot of people are talking about Isaiah Thomas as like an MVP candidate, but. Yeah, I, I think that Lowry has been better than both of them. He's probably, which... he's been at least the third best player in the East because Giannis has been ridiculous. But when you look at yeah. overall team success, you could probably argue that he's been the second best player. He's absolutely been the best guard to me. It kind of makes me curious now. I just want to, I want to see like uh, how Lowry, Wall, and Thomas stack up. There was a point about to drop an NBA math citation here, even though Adam's no longer with the podcast. There was a point for the Wizards recently, as in the last week or two, where Otto Porter profiled as the more valuable contributor than John Wall, probably because Wall's... He's been really underrated this year, too. Right. Wall's defense has been mostly on this year, but it's not... It's He's still been sort of hot and cold. At points, and I, I think Lowry's been more consistent on the defensive end, which is where he probably starts to pull away from Wall. It's definitely where he pulls away from Isaiah Thomas. So yeah, I just I pulled them all up. I I, I will now. I'm a little more comfortable in saying what I already said. We need like, a drum I think roll. Lowry's been the best. What's that? I'm reminding myself to insert drum roll here when I edit, <laughs> which I probably won't do. <laughs> but this is better anyway. This banter. Um, Lowry has a better true shooting percentage than Isaiah Thomas this year, which is kind of surprising to me. He's so efficient from deep. And I don't know what he's shooting at the rim, but is it like a zillion percent? Or is it a little That's bit a lower? That's a good question. Let me pull that up real quick. Um, zero to three feet in the 2016-17 season for Lowry. <laughs> Almost 67%. Yep. 66.7. That's so amazing. He's just... Oh, he's... He's so important to that team, and he's going to get a max deal from them in the summer. And that's the interesting for the Raptors. The interesting thing, excuse me, for the Raptors, if you don't make it back to the Eastern Conference Finals, if you get bounced in the first round, because you could, the, the gap between yeah. everyone in the East isn't really that big. Could you imagine? Is there a scenario where you see a seventh seeded Chicago or Pistons beating the Raptors in seven games? I think you could say yes. I don't know about one of those two teams. Well, those I'm, are... I'm pulling up the standings now, but what if they end up in like the four-five matchup with? Oh yeah, that's right. They're not two. I, don't um, know why I said that. So yeah, but to... if they ended up in like a four-five matchup with Washington, I think that's an interesting series. I think they probably beat Atlanta. Yeah. Um, which is another team they could face. Well, we don't can and can we even say that though? Because the Lowry DeRozan dynamic in the playoffs the past two years. Not been great. Maybe it's even the past three years. I'd, I'd like to believe There's... that Lowry is just on a different plane at the moment. But the the risk is real. And what I'm getting at really is if you don't make it back to the Eastern Conference Finals, what do you do over the offseason? Yeah, how do you roll back the exact same Lowry's team? A it's a, Lowry's it's a an free. interesting question. Right. And Abaka's a free agent. P.J. Tucker's a free agent. Lucas Nogueira is extension eligible. You probably wait on that just because – 
you were already thinking about having to dump one of Damari Carroll and Jonas Valanciunas at least. At least Jonas, one of them. I think, is going to be – I think he's going to be the most likely one to, to be shopped or I shipped. I would agree. Shopped, yes. Shipped is more difficult just because of the way yeah, the Yeah, because I don't know who is. would take him. He would be um, – he would be perfect for Stan Van Gundy. Like if there was a three-way trade where Drummond's going elsewhere, Van Gundy, for what he wants to do – and give these guys post-ups. He needs someone who's a better yeah. passer than Howard or Drummond. I was going to say, it's time for him to give up on turning Drummond into like a low-post threat. Right. It's just... <laughs> he should have given up on that after year one. Because it's but... not even like with Dwight Howard where he just uses his strength and then he'll get all these dunks. Like, he just doesn't even have the coordination to get to that point. So, yeah. But, so you're already at that stage where you were going to probably have to trade one of those guys. Or maybe you can just... Maybe it's easier to justify bringing everyone back selling to ownership that we need to pay this year of the luxury tax and see where it lies. That's not going to happen if you don't make it to the Eastern Conference Finals. And I'm, I, don't, I don't think they get there right now, if only because the Celtics, to me, seem like they are noticeably better than everyone else. They've gotten to this point without really a full-strength roster. I looked the other Can day, they? as of like Go a ahead. week ago or two weeks ago, they were one of the five teams that were impacted most by injuries. And they still had the East Second. The Celtics? Yeah. Oh, that's surprising. I guess Avery Bradley's been out for a while. Yeah, you had J- uh, the Celtics, the Jazz, the Clippers, the Nuggets, and I can't remember who the fifth one was. But it might have been the Spurs just because they sit so many people. Yeah. So, so And they were there, and now you have Bradley back. This is your first time really with everyone there for a, assuming an extended period of time because Crowder was out for a bit at the beginning. Horford missed some time. Marcus Smart missed some time. So... The Raptors are in a very precarious situation. Losing Lowry makes it so much worse because now you're at the four seed and and the matchup is just, there's a big difference. I'll say this in the East. From the top five teams, there is a noticeable difference in those final three. If you could have had that three seed, even if it wasn't the second, to play the six seed would have just been so much better for your chance. Yeah, that would have helped. Um, If they, how close would they be to the luxury tax if they did bring back Lowry, Andy Baca, but they find somebody to take on Carroll and Valanchunas. And then you roll, but you come back with like Lowry, Norman Powell, DeRozan, Ibaka, and Nogueira. They would be, I'm looking now, um, they, they would be fairly close to the luxury tax still, or maybe they, they wouldn't even be there, would they? You're talking about getting rid of Carroll and Valanchunas without taking any money back? Yeah, which is tough. <laughs> I, I, yeah, that I don't would, think they can unload. But I think it'll be easier to do that with Valanchunas. To unload without taking money back? Depends yeah. Depends upon who has – there'll be teams if with more could, flexibility over the offseason for sure. But you're going to have yeah. Lowry on the books for – what will he be at, 30 million? 30. At? Yeah, he, at least 30. He's at 30. I think, it, I think Max is like 30.1. So, so 30 plus the 27.7 for DeRozan. Like, so you're at $58 million for those two. And it, what are they going to pay Ibaka? He, he, he's going to have 20, at least right? 20. That's yeah. 90. The, the cap is going to go to 102, 103. 103, yeah. So the luxury tax is going to be like $20 million. They can duck the tax if they get rid of one of Valanchunas and Carroll, and then they don't give the extensions to Nogueira. This is a, uh, but this Tucker, is a little tangent. And, but Oh, here's the other thing. Patterson, too. What is he gonna, you can't you can't get rid of both Tucker and Patterson, can you? Is Patterson a free agent too? Yep, and he's probably gonna get like I'll say twelve on the low end. He could get fifteen. Yeah, that's crazy. 
So they have a, they have more even more coming up than I realized. The, so the decision's going to have to be made either way, and it, it gets harder now because they're probably not, in my mind, going to make the Eastern Conference Finals. If they get there, we'll see a lot less change over the offseason. But the Lowry injury to me, you have to face the Wizards right off the bat in the playoffs. We don't know how long Lowry will have been back by that point, assuming he's been back. That, that, that's a big deal. And, and what we both, I think, can agree on, they're not getting the second or third seed. The fourth seed is... Them. Yeah, with Lowry out, they're. I think they're, they're in that four or five matchup. They have enough. To, okay, here's the bigger question: Can the Hawks catch them? They're one point five games back, one in the loss column right now. I would, I would say they can, but it probably doesn't matter. <laughs> Atlanta's but. been like they have been as much of a hot and cold team as anybody in the league. They've had some weird streaks both ways. They're, it really doesn't matter. So it's really hard to count on the, them. Like The opponent's still going to be the Hawks. I, I don't know why I was talking yeah. about it like a Wizards matchup in the first round. That was my mistake. So it doesn't really matter. They might drop to fifth, though. That's a legitimate possibility. Yeah. Um, so that's the Raptors. We're both fairly low on what's going to happen in the playoffs. They're lucky that they can't fall much further um, in the standings. Do you think there's a possibility they could catch the Wizards just because you have Tucker, you have Ibaka, that should make you maybe want you They're only, them a little bit better defensively, even without Lowry. Yeah, I think it's possible. They're only a game back. They're two back in the loss column. They but, need to win tonight. We're recording this on a Friday, and they play. They lost to the Wizards on Wednesday. They got blown out. They were losing by as much as 24, ended up losing by nine. And then they play in Washington, where the Wizards have been basic, basically unstoppable for the last two months tonight. That's a big game. There's, Yeah, I agree. But there's very little from, like, I'm looking at the standings now. Um, there isn't much between, like, three and seven that would surprise me in the Eastern Conference. Because, like we said before the season started, that's, like, it's just hard for me to pull those teams apart. I think Cleveland and Boston have clearly um, sort of separated themselves from the rest of the pack. But after that, it's kind of a jumbled mess to me. And I would say Toronto could could – sort of elevate themselves above the pack too if if Lowry hadn't gotten hurt. If they it's amazing how much different their immediate outlook without Lowry will appear if they beat the Wizards in this game. All of a sudden you're neck and neck really even though you're still yeah. neck and neck for like that might be all of a sudden tomorrow I'll be, I'll be talking about hey you know the Raptors might get that third seed and then they can go <laughs> then go against the Bulls or the Pacers or the Pistons in the first round. Which is definitely better. Right. Um, a team that's not going to make the playoffs. Well, maybe let's hit this really quick. Only, would be. I, th- I think you're going to talk about the Bucks, right? I actually wasn't, but that's where I'm going now. Is really quick. They're two games back of the oh, playoffs. Yeah. They're not going to get there. There's just their execution in crunch time has been terrible. I get they're only a game back in the loss column, but I was looking at strength of schedules the other day. The Hornets' schedule is a little bit easier. I believe Miami's is a little bit easier. I would be with the Beasley injury already without Parker. The offense hasn't been the problem, though, and I guess that's what you could say. The offense has still been pretty good over the last however much you want to sling it. The defense has really fallen. Combine that with their shoddy play in crunch time, I just don't see it. I I just don't. I feel like if Jason Kidd would ever commit to just playing his best players consistently – that would be a much different team. Um, 
immediately after Parker went down, Beasley was doing like really well in that role as the power forward who's kind of like the second option uh, to to Kumpo. I don't think he was playing as well as Jabari was, but he was he was doing well with it. Um, when they play Brogdon over Delavadova as they should have all season, they're better. Uh, when they play Monroe, they're a lot better. Right. Um, but that <laughs> that relies on Jason Kidd doing what I just said he hasn't done all season. So that is risky. The thing that really surprises me, um, and this isn't injury-related, so it's not even really a topic of today's show, but I didn't realize Miami had crept all the way up to one game back of eighth. I did record projections for Bleacher Report the other day. I have the Heat in the playoffs. I'm just you have them I'm sneaking so ahead of the Pistons. I actually have the Pist. Uh, excuse me. I have the Pacers falling out of the playoffs in the East. Mm. Their schedule, the, their win against the Rockets the other night, made me look a little bit like a fool. Then they almost beat the pace. Uh, excuse me, the Spurs on the road on Wednesday. But they have a kind of road heavy schedule. When you include those two games, they had more road games left to play. They haven't been good on the road this year at, at 10 and 20. The schedule's not good either. I think when I was looking, they had the second toughest schedule behind the Cavaliers left throughout the East. And I don't want to start playing you know, armchair psychologist, but this Paul George to the Lakers stuff, this extension stuff, will he yeah, be BGP money eligible? I don't know if that will weigh on the team, but they have been the definition of mediocre pretty much all season. And when you have the Heat playing like they are, the Pistons kind of turned a little bit of a corner in February before that loss to the Pelicans. That's, you know, it may end up being stupid and we're really splitting hairs when you're talking about those those last three playoff seeds in the East because the Bulls could just as easily fall out at this point. Yeah. So, but I I think the Heat are going to get in and I still do believe that it'll be the Pacers who fall out. You know, it's interesting. Last thing on the Eastern Conference standings. Um... Miami, Milwaukee, and Charlotte, who are 9, 10, and 11, they all have a better point differential than Atlanta, Chicago, Indiana, and Detroit, who are 5, 6, 7, and 8. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. That's crazy. <laughs> That's crazy. The, so the I Western think the conferences. Nest in the East goes further than I, thought, than I realized it did. Right. And, and the other, it's, it's not similar in the West, but the Timberwolves have the best point differential of anyone chasing the eighth seed and yet they are they're three 11th. back yeah they're they're yeah. three games back in the loss column and they're 12th in the conference or excuse me 11th in the conference so the 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 race in the eastern conference is always the bottom three seeds are comedic tragedy which i love <laughs> but the west number eight seed race has been absolutely incredible at this point i keep waiting for denver to just seize that um, They're gonna. They haven't really yet, but I still think they will. Um, so the Bucks, do you think they're going to make the playoffs? I don't. Well, I, before we started recording, I was kind of leaning towards maybe, but um, now that I'm really looking at the standings, out of everybody at the end there, I think Miami might be my favorite. Yes, a convert, a conversion. <laughs> You've heard it I here, like, folks. Uh, yeah, we've got two I, people. I actually kind of like that roster. Even before the season, like um, I still think Dragic is a really good player. As a lot of people know, I'm a huge James Johnson fan. No, <laughs> Spolstra is a great coach. I think Tyler Johnson is solid. I I I think they have a lot going in their favor right now. And I I honestly didn't realize they had 
they had crawled all the way up to where they are, just one game out of the playoffs. You think they'll leapfrog the Pistons, though? Because me predicting the Pacers, they have to fall kind of far because they're three yeah. games ahead of the Heat and the Bucks in the loss column. I would, I would probably guess the Pistons just on... Then all hell will break loose in Detroit this offseason, and I'll love it. Yeah. I'm of the mind you trade Drummond instead of Jackson. I don't. I still think they'd be more likely to trade Jackson, if only because it's easier. Jackson's but a mess, too. That's a topic for a different podcast. Yeah. Uh, Ish Smith, though. Maybe we should start shouting him out. Uh, the, the Sixers. We knew, basically, that Ben Simmons wasn't going to play this year. Even when the, like, yeah. it was like, oh, he'll play in January, he'll play in February. It's just, it's the Sixers. They're going to be overly yep. cautious. Now when Embiid is done, there, there are two main questions to consider here. And let's tackle the Embiid one first. Does this injury make you any lower on his potential and the likelihood that he hits his ceiling or is able to be the cornerstone of this franchise? Um, for me, it doesn't really because um, I kind of felt like two or three weeks ago, whenever it was, they came out that it was a meniscus and not just soreness or whatever they were calling it before. Um Right in that moment, I realized he wasn't going to play again for the rest of the season. And a lot of people were saying, no, no, he, he could still come back. But uh, I think whether he was fully healthy or not, they were shutting him down at that point. So the, mo- the more recent news, which is that he's shut down, that, that was not a surprise to me at all and right. doesn't really change my opinion. Um, I think it's fair to worry. Some Somebody tweeted out the other day the number of – days it took to to for mb to play 31 games and it was like 900 something and uh and it took greg odin like it was like half that to play 31 games so i think it's fair to worry um but i also feel like they were always going to be like way overly cautious with both of these guys this season and the littlest little thing that crept up they were gonna they were gonna use it as an, as an excuse or a reason to shut him down. So it's, it hasn't really changed my opinion that much. Long story short. If it was his ankle, his foot again, whatever, that would have been the concern. But it wasn't. Um, you know what I don't know, and I guess this makes me terrible at my job, was the meniscus, is that knee the same leg as the foot that was injured? That I don't know. I'm going to actually um, look that up while we're while Yeah, we're good question. Um, but – they're not related injuries. If it's the same leg, then yeah, okay. Because are you compensating? But look at what he he knows how to put the work in now. I know there were those rumors that he didn't at the beginning, but he came back or made his debut, and he was all of a sudden shooting threes. So it's his left knee, and it was his right foot. So it's not even the same, like he needed bone grafts in his right foot. It's not even yeah. the same foot leg. And may, maybe he, if he was compensating on the left side because, of, you know, whatever. I can't say that he's going to be fine for the rest of his career. If I'm the Sixers, it definitely gives me pause when we're talking about the negotiation this summer. Yeah. I'm not giving him a max one. If he's giving me a discount of some sort because he wants the guaranteed money, I still sign him in a heartbeat. If he's not, you play it out until restricted free agency. It's that simple. It, he's, he's good, and he's transcendent. The Sixers played like a playoff team when he was on the floor this season. Like a, yep. The Sixers, like a playoff team. So I just, like, uh, a few days ago, I made up a little graphic. Oh, boy. Um, (laughs) 
I took a ton of like it started off. I was just going to do it with like MVP candidates, but then a bunch of names were popping up that I found interesting, and I was just looking at net rating swings. So the difference between how a team plays when a guy's on and how how a team plays when a guy's off. Um, the Clippers are plus fifteen point eight points per hundred possessions when Chris Paul's on and minus five point three when he's off, and that's a twenty one point one difference, which is the most out of all the guys that I looked up, which is like over thirty. Um, but Joel Embiid, <laughs> to your point, the Clippers were plus three, or not the Clippers, the Sixers were plus 3.2 when he was on. So like you said, like a playoff team, and minus nine when he was off. One of the biggest swings in the entire NBA. Right, I mean, it's... And that's on a roster that, um, <laughs> there's, there's, I mean, there's some interesting young guys, but as far as like guys who are ready to win NBA games now, there's not much beyond Embiid. He's doing a lot of that by himself. Right. It's it, incredible. It's a, it's like a, it's a funny corollary because the fact that they played like a playoff team when he was on the floor is incredibly impressive. But it, it's also Chris Paul in terms of the difference that the Clippers experience when he's not on the floor, given all the talent they have other than him, that's equally impressive. Not yeah. necessarily <laughs> how good they are with him, but how good they aren't without him. So the Chris Paul number is crazy, that, but go ahead. It's funny how MVP discussions get to that point, but it's good that we're both still fine on Joel Embiid's future. People are using this to take shots at Hinky. Like the Sixers, I'm not going to say they're fine. This is it's a concern, but they shut yeah. him down now. And this leads into my second question: Are they going to be the second worst team in the Eastern Conference? They they can't catch the Nets. Sorry guys, but they're a half game ahead of the Magic right now. Orlando isn't necessarily tanking. I think Aaron Gordon's been playing some more at the four. Still not enough, in my opinion, because it'll never be enough. But <laughs> all of a sudden, you're the second worst team in the East. You're you're going to end up with a bottom four record because I don't know that, looking at the league standings, the, the Lakers aren't going to let you catch them. They're the second worst team in the league, and you're 3.5 games ahead of them, four in the loss column. You're also four ahead of the Suns in the loss column, but... Maybe there's a chance Phoenix is young guys. Booker, Bledsoe isn't young, but he's playing. Maybe they'll win some games. Maybe you can tank your way inadvertently, accidentally, organically, whatever you want to call it. They could end up with a bottom three record, and it, they're going to get a top three pick. It's just like, and now you get to add it to Joel. Yeah. This isn't like an ideal scenario, but if you weren't going to make the playoffs anyway, it was more valuable to see Embiid try and win you games but if you can't, hey, you're going you're gonna to go in, and maybe you get the Lakers pick too, and you end up with two top five picks. They're, they're, they're going to keep theirs. That's just It would take two teams jumping them in the lottery is what it will take, and, and that's just not going to happen. But, and then you move forward with the Lakers' unprotected pick in 2018, and, and that's like found money when you look at the Sixers' pick this year because when Embiid was healthy, we knew the Sixers weren't going to make the playoffs, but all of a sudden it was like, maybe they'll have a better record than the Knicks. You know, maybe they'll, maybe they'll have a better, yeah. maybe they'll have a better record, not only than just the Magic and the Knicks, but they were kind of close to the Hornets at one point, the Bucks. So now you're getting a top three pick. It's to me. Now I think they're definitely like intentionally moving towards that though. Will they? Okay. Which is so fine. I guess here's the question since I answered my own. How are they going to catch the Magic? And then if they're going to catch the Magic, Will they be able to surpass one of the Suns or the Lakers in the tankathon? I think, yeah, I think, I think they will end up worse than Orlando. Um, Me too. I think it's going to be harder to catch 
I don't think they're going to catch LA. Um, wouldn't it maybe be, Phoenix, but I that would also surprise me a little bit. Wouldn't it be great scenario? The Sixers finish with the fourth worst record, and who's going to finish with the fifth and has their own pick? Well, whoever. Let's say a team jumps into the lottery, wins the number one pick. It's, it's not the Sixers. And then the Sixers also jump into the lottery from that four spot, which would bump the Lakers out because they had like the third worst record. The top three protected, yeah. right? And all yeah. of a sudden, the, the Sixers have a, a top three pick and, and the number four pick. Wouldn't that be incredible? That would be insane. I, even if I look at the Sixers, um, like even if they just end up with one lottery pick, what they already have there, um, injuries notwithstanding, plus the cap space that they have this summer, um, they're really intriguing to me in like a year or two. And that's like Captain Obvious type take. But imagine a lineup as early as, as next year. Like what if they throw near max money at a point guard like George Hill? Uh, they got Ben Simmons next year, Dario Saric, Joel Embiid. I don't know who you'd plug in at the two. Maybe you can um, – Maybe you can absorb this, this the salary of some shooting guard somewhere. Like that's all of a sudden. There was like a hot second in the middle of the season where people were like, could the Sixers make the playoffs? Right. I think if they have a, an off season like that, there's a chance they're they're in the conversation as early as next season. The, what might and wouldn't you love to play? Like I I think that would be cool as like a a so veteran right. point guard oh. to. I mean, to if they're, if they're giving me max money. Team. They should. They, yeah. They're probably going to go after Drew. That would be hysterical. I don't think it'd be the right decision, and the Pelicans would probably <laughs> offer him more money uh, or the extra year. Excuse me to keep him. They've got a chance to go after guys like that, it, though. They're they're going to have the money. They're the that they and the Nets and and less so the Nuggets because the Nuggets will have the money to throw around, but you have to be a little bit more methodical if you're the Nuggets because you're already good. But the Sixers and the Nets are going to have that type of cap space where one they won't mind tying it up in restricted free agents. So what if one of them gets nuts with a Jamichael Green or somebody like that? I'd say Otto Porter or Contavious Caldwell-Pope, but those those are like surefire matches. But they'll, they'll throw the money at them anyway. These people hoping, well, maybe you get KCP for less than the max. It's not going to happen because one of the Nets or the Sixers will probably throw him the max offer sheet anyway. The, the point to the playoff potential, it really kind of depends on where Simmons is at as a quote-unquote rookie. Because yeah. if he came back after sitting two seasons out and he was fantastic, is Simmons going to have that same kind of impact? I think he can. I um, I think that maybe like having that year of, of NBA coaching should help him the way that it helped Embiid. Um, I was I, I loved him coming out of the draft, and then what I saw at summer league was just. His passing is so impressive to me. It it dawned on me at summer league. I I just thought this guy is a six foot ten Jason Kidd potentially, um, and even if his jumper is still broken next year, um, if he can like run the team and exhibit the passing that he showed in the summer, and you surround it with guys who can shoot like theoretically Dario Saric and realistically Joel Embiid, and maybe somebody like again like George Hill or Drew Holiday. Um, I, I think they have a chance to be pretty special, and I think I think Simmons will be good next year. Like I don't think he'll be great, but even if he shoots around forty percent from the field, I think he could be a solid contributor. 
Yeah, I, I don't. I actually don't support them throwing money like that much money at an aging point guard. Kyle Lowry would be fun, and they'll probably talk to him too. George Hill would be fun if you want to throw it at a young wing. If you're going to try, I'd rather see them take the the risks. The risks. I can't talk on <laughs> younger wings or just younger type players. Grow with Embiid and Simmons. Don't don't try and expedite your timeline when you're throwing out all the. And look what if you just do it for like two or three years though. And then it's a guy who's sort of like your veteran mentor to, to help him transition into this new phase. Maybe that's like a Patty Mills type situation then, because you're not, you're not going to get Lowry now that, or holiday. I would like that a lot. Yeah. Or Lowry or holiday for two years. You need to give them the four. Um, I that's think true. on this season, I, I, they'll probably end up with, are they going to pass the Suns? I'm going to say they end up with the league's third worst record. Nets, Lakers, then Sixers. Because the, the Suns, are they've played some really good games, man, against good teams, the Suns. Yeah, they definitely compete. It looks like Earl Watson isn't really playing like his older guys as much. I know Chandler wasn't playing for a minute. And Eric Bledsoe is probably like the best individual player at among all those bottom-dwelling teams, right? Especially with him beat out now, yeah, without Watson. Yeah. And, and Booker is still good. So I'm going to say yeah. they finish with third. It, it, it entails a lot of losing, and we'll probably get our answer again tonight because they're playing the Knicks again. And if you're going to lose to the Knicks, who, are, <laughs> who we should say are without Joakim Noah for the rest of the season? How does this impact their NBA title chances? <laughs> What's that, Derek Rose? <laughs> um, I guess that means it's a good segue into... Yes, that's right. It is once again times for Burns My Bacon. I have seized the bacon stick from Andy and am going off once again. I don't actually remember what I went off off about last time, but was it the Knicks? Could it have been the Knicks? I, I don't either. <laughs> it's going to be the Knicks now if it wasn't before. That should just be... Let's just change this to, like, why the Knicks burn Dan's bacon. Yeah, we're going to have to rework this segment, I think. <laughs> Derek Rose needs a new publicist or needs a publicist because the guy has no sense of awareness of what he's saying sometimes. There was an article published by Mark Berman in the New York Post that said Jeff Hornacek was looking for Derek Rose to shoot more threes, which is good for the Knicks' tank because Derek Rose is shooting under 23% on a limited number of threes. Derek Rose proceeded to say something along the lines of, hopefully I'll be able to shoot more of them in the postseason. Like, dude, come on. You are, at this moment, at what you said, four games back in the loss column of the Detroit Pistons with three other teams in the Hornets, Bucks, and Heat, the scorching Heat, mind you, standing in front of you. You've already called the Knicks a super team. You've already talked about signing a $150 million contract or or sources told ESPN.com's Ian, Ian Begley this way back when. You're making comments about the triangle. It, like, what, what are you doing? Like, stop. Like, this is not... This makes no sense. And if you do start hitting threes and get the Knicks closer to the eighth seed, which you're not going to get anyway, shame on you for ruining the covert tank. <laughs> because the Knicks tank is so accidental, so secretive, that they don't even realize that they're tanking. The Knicks are that bad and they just don't even know it because he certainly doesn't realize it right and i don't he's probably not the only one you, you know who probably realizes yeah. it mellow you know he he's <laughs> he's still going in these isolations late in games because he understands the knicks tank 
So it's just <laughs> it's, he's still looking out for them, and that that's mostly sarcasm. But Derrick Rose needs to stop, and that's why he needs. I can't wait for him to be gone from New York, and I hope he ends up in a smaller market just because the coverage of his comments to this extent can't exist because he's just going to stay this bat crap crazy stuff. And it, Andy, you know, am I wrong here? Like you can't the, – the situation the Knicks are in, they haven't won consecutive games since late December. They have the third worst record in the NBA in front of the Magic and the Nets since Christmas – Hopefully I can shoot threes, which I can't shoot to begin with, in the postseason, which we're not going to make. Have you seen the episode of Seinfeld where Kramer takes a vow of silence? Here's my other hot take. Seinfeld sucks. <laughs> and no, I have not seen that episode. Oh, my gosh. We might have to end now. We just Are we going to dissolve the, the podcast? <laughs> That's the greatest show of all time. Um, but, yes, I, what I, I think Derrick Rose needs to take a vow of silence. For, for many, many reasons. Can you imagine the story that that would be in New York? <laughs> um, on that note, I wholeheartedly agree with you. He's he has been like he he's been the ultimate hot take machine among NBA players this season. And as an as someone who has no vested interest in the Knicks, it's been kind of entertaining to me. I find it uh, entertaining in its stupidity, but it's also frustrating because how are you that tone deaf and unaware? Go back to him leaving. He was with the Knicks and left without telling anybody on game day. That situation was so weird. Like, it's just... There's uh, been so many things since he was traded to New York. What a terrible decision that was by oh, Phil Jackson. Yeah. Oh, that's a... Oh, oof, if we could give out, Lord. like... Uh, if there was an award for worst executive of the year, I, he would definitely be in the running. It'd be up there between him and Vlade, I'll tell you that much. Or can we, yeah, give, it, can we give it to Vivek by extension? Yeah, maybe Vladdy gets a pass. Um, <laughs> but anyway, that does wrap us up for this episode of Hardwood Knox. Uh, I imagine most of you agree with Dan at the end there about Derek Rose. But if you disagree with on that or anything we talked about today, you can reach us on Twitter. Uh, I'm at Andrew D. Bailey. Dan is at Dan Favalli, F-A-V-A-L-E. The show is at Hardwood Knox. As always, we would really appreciate um, subscriptions, likes uh, reviews at itunes or stitcher or blog talk radio um until next time shout out to bina udri the iphone 10r is here at t-mobile and there's a whole lot to love like those perfect portrait mode selfies you're going to share nice and how emojis now turn every facetime with the kids into fun time <laughs> in fact the only thing you'll love more than your iphone 10r is getting it included in the price when you get an unlimited plan that's right. Get both unlimited and iPhone XR included for just 40 bucks a month. Sure, you can get unlimited somewhere else. But for the same price at T-Mobile, you get unlimited and iPhone XR. Join today and get iPhone XR included with your unlimited plan for just 40 bucks a line for four new lines. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE or visit a store today. $30 for essentials plus $10 for iPhone XR with auto pay and qualifying trade-ins via 36 bill credits. Customers may notice lower speeds and further reduction if using more than 50 gigs per month. Video at 480p for well-qualified buyers plus taxes and fees. Contact us before canceling or remaining balances due. Qualifying service and finance agreements required. Zero down plus $20.84 per month for 36 months. Full price $749.99, 0% APR. Skydiving. This is amazing. Yeah, but you know what else is amazing? An iPhone 6S for just 49 bucks at Metro. Really? Imagine streaming all the way down with that amazing camera. I'm switching. That's smart. You know what else is smart? Parachutes. Woo! 
Switch to Metro and get an amazing iPhone 6S for only 49 bucks. Metro by T-Mobile. Phone offer requires port in of number not currently active on T-Mobile network or active on Metro in past 90 days. See store for details and terms and conditions. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.